You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Nosebleed Seats. Uh, I apologize for missing last week. Uh, unfortunately, I tested positive for the Rona. Uh, wasn't too happy about it. Could not smell anything. Could not taste anything. For a solid week. Um, if you've had it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't had it, please wear a mask. That's the, you know, that's the number one key I can give you. Um, COVID's not a joke, so please don't take it as one. Uh, anyway, we are sorry for missing last week, but we are back now. I'm still a little stuffed up, if you can tell from my voice. But uh, coming off the fresh tooth pull <laughs> with my co-host Marcus Baker. Uh, Marcus, how are you feeling? Well. I could say we've both been better. That's that's for sure. Um, had a tooth. I broke it eating hard candy like an idiot. Um, it was too broken to salvage. We tried. They wanted to do root canal, but then guests figured out that it wasn't going to be able to be saved. So it kind of sucks only being twenty five, having to pull one of your teeth. But I was out of options at that point. But little, I played overplayed it a little bit in my head. It wasn't as painful as I thought, but. We're still in the recovery process. I'm three days removed, so I can eat solid food now. So I'm back to normal. But that that a day and a half, two days of just soup and potatoes was killing me. But luckily, I'm back to my normal unhealthy habits. So we're excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, man. I've never been so tired in my life than when I had that. Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm happy. Happy you seem to be pulling out of the other side of it. Luckily, I haven't had to deal with it but i'm definitely worried about it with my compromised immune system i think if i was to contract it it'd probably affect me a little bit more but for sure yeah, yeah wear a mask exactly wear a mask guys. and that's i try to do the best i can i know you do too it's just coming out on the other side of it you probably take it a little bit more serious than the oh, previous sure. yeah and I, i've noticed that with a lot a lot of people that come out of the backside of it say man I definitely take the mask thing a lot more serious, but on on a brighter note, looking forward to what what Sunday's going to bring and a competent opponent in Miami. I think so. With that, you want to go ahead and get it. And I'm a little uh, I'm a little worried about this one, to be honest. Um, I think this has the potential, and I don't want to say it's a trap game because you know Miami is good, but we are the better team. I feel like on paper. Um, and I hope, I hope we play like it. I really hope we play better than we did last week and almost letting Denver beat us. But, uh, yeah, so Miami Dolphins, we're heading back to Hard Rock Stadium for the first time since the Super Bowl victory, uh, earlier in January or February, sorry. But, uh, we're going to break that down for you guys, everything you need to know, give you guys our impact players as always, and then finish off with Marcus's make or break keys to victory. So Marcus, uh, it's week 14. The Chiefs are what, 12 and 1? Or is 11 and 1? 11 and 1. 12, 12 and 1, right? Oh, 11, 11 and 1. Yeah, that's right. Because of the bye. I don't know. It's 11 and 1. This is game right. 13. Uh, Ch- Chiefs are seven point favorite right now. It is a noon kickoff on CBS. Uh, I'm assuming we'll probably have Kevin Harlan. I really hope we do. Uh, you know, he's my favorite, to be honest. But announcers really don't matter. 
um, unless it's Joe Buck, which I'll mute my TV. But we're not on Fox, so no worries there. Um, what are you looking for in this game? Honestly, I just want to see improvement from the Chiefs defensively. I want to see more consistency. And I want to see this offensive line step up and show some competence. This last few weeks stretch, the offensive line's been abysmal. I think if the offensive line's improved last week, that's a blowout. And then, of course, we had a couple scoring opportunities that didn't come to be, whether it be the Tyreek touchdown catch that wasn't, or the holding penalty, I believe, on another touchdown. I think that was Andrew Wiley. I can't remember off the top of my head for sure, but there was a couple scores that we left out on the field. And that's been the story of this team, honestly, through the whole Mahomes era. This offense is unstoppable. The only thing that can stop this offense is this offense, and that's the reality. Um, I just I hope they don't shoot themselves in the foot because this is a team in Miami with Brian Flores, who, for my money, is the coach of the year. Um, he's a guy coming off the Belichick tree. If you give him opportunities to keep the game close, he can coach right along with the best of them, in my opinion. I think he's easily the best Belichick disciple. And um, I look forward to seeing what, what Miami can bring to the table because they've got pieces – and it's a team, I think, if Tua can play well and keep a hold of the ball, I think they're a team that can compete with the Chiefs for sure with what they have on defense. And you said something about our offense shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, they actually did that last week, in particular in the red zone. Uh, I think we had four trips down the red zone, and they all ended in field goals. Um, I think Travis Kelsey's touchdown, the lone uh, touchdown from Patrick Mahomes, came on a 20 or 25-yard a uh, little pass where the the defensive line was right in his face. But we've got to get those red zone struggles figured out. Um, I have not seen a running back we have. I think maybe Daryl Williams could do it. And I'm I'm starting to think Daryl Williams should be our goal line guy. Um, I know that's what you brought Le'Veon Bill in for, but with the way our offensive line is around the red zone, I'm not sure that, you know, and I just said Daryl Williams, I'm not sure I would trust anyone back there. I think you need to throw it if you're 10 yards and in. And, you know, that's <laughs> – that's definitely a change of pace from what the game was because Pete Carroll still takes crap from Seattle fans for trying to throw the ball on the goal line. But when you have a creative mastermind like Andy Reid, there's so many things you can draw up. You have so much speed on the outside with Hardman and Hill and, you know, your little shovel passes with Kelsey and Sherman. Come up with something, you know. it. It's not that hard to score from five yards in, I, I wouldn't think. You I mean, you're professionals. It, it shouldn't be a huge a huge problem. I totally agree. Um, one thing, looking at the, the Denver game, and I've kind of noticed this with Andy throughout his time in Kansas City. When he has innovative new things that he wants to input, especially at the red zone, he seems to only bring it out against the juggernaut opponents. People like, I mean, when we play the Saints or if we were to play Tampa, uh, the Ravens earlier in the season – he seems like he brings his big plays and the crazy stuff out when it matters most. So I wonder maybe if he just didn't want to keep the playbook shut as best as he could and keep his cards close to his chest against Denver and just kind of show what they did a lot of trickery stuff or they attempted it, but really what they had done was stuff that they had done previous in these last few weeks when they've struggled in the red zone at certain times. Now the Denver game, of course, it's glaring because like you said, four trips, 0 for 4, for field goals, there is a bright side, though. Harrison Butker has seemed to have quite a bit of a bounce back 
from the struggles he had following the Ravens game up until just a few weeks ago. Um, he certainly could not have dug any deeper. Yeah, in the hole. it was bad. So, glad to see he's but coming. He's, out he's of coming that. out. Seems very consistent. He hasn't really missed any here recently, and uh, that'll be big moving forward, especially into the playoffs. But I don't know the offense. I think it was really a combination of Andy not wanting to show his cards, and Fangio. He had a pretty decent game from a coordinating standpoint of that defense. They played well. They played just well enough to stay in the football game. And if they have a competent offense on that side that's got a little bit more explosiveness to it, I think we may lose that game. So going into a game like this with weapons like Miami has, they've got guys that can beat you. I mean, you look at a running back like Miles Gaskin. He's got a lot of burst, and he can make plays. I think he's good out of the pass game as well, if I remember correctly. And then they have guys like Devontae Parker, um, Grant. I can't remember Grant's first name off the top of my head. Night, number 19, I believe. Uh, Jakeem. It's, it's something like that. Yeah, he's good. He's a good special teams guy as well. And then, of course, Mike Yusecki. Uh, they have Adam Shaheen. So they've got some some weapons in the pass game. I don't know if Peyton Williams is healthy or not there in Miami, but we know Albert Wilson opted out. But they have some pieces and with their young quarterback, I think they can make plays. So if you're in a shootout, or not a shootout, but a defensive struggle like we saw last week with Denver where the Chiefs are struggling and Miami may be struggling a little bit on offense and the defenses show up to play per se. I don't think our the Chiefs' defense really showed up to play against Denver. I think it was just more Drew Locke being Drew Locke and so on and so forth. But this Miami team, if it's close like the last week's game, they have the explosiveness, I think, and the coaching to get over the hump in a way that the Broncos couldn't. So the Chiefs are really going to have to execute, like you said, in the red zone and just do what they're capable of doing. Um, I, for the most part, I think the big differences are going to be which offense has rhythm and is successful early on. I think whoever scores consistently or in, early in the game is going to be the victor ultimately because I just I, both these defenses are relatively solid. The Chiefs have a tendency to fall off in the fourth give up a lot of junk garbage time points but overall the defense in Kansas City they can make plays when it matters Miami they're predicated on their defensive prowess so it's just going to come down to if Tua can put points up in my opinion or as to whether or not it's close and you know I was going I was going to say Marcus you know we're in the Midwest we really don't get Miami market games um whether on CBS or Fox so uh Give me your impact players uh, that some of our listeners might not know or who they should be watching for. Uh, come okay, Sunday. well, I see, and the thing with Miami, I chalk up their success to really the coaching. I really think this team's coached up there with some of the best in the league. Like I said, he's my favorite for a head coach of the year. Um, for the most part, though, it's pretty simple for the first one. It's a quarterback. Most teams in this league are going to live and die on the play of the quarterback because they touch the football more than just about anybody. Um, so Tua Tungvaluwa is going to be number one for me. I think if he can come in and score two or three times in the pass game, I think they're going to be well on their way to competing just from what we've seen recently with the Chiefs. Um, I don't know if he can do it for most games. I think he's thrown – I think in his first four starts, he's thrown a touchdown and an interception in each game. Um, I look for the Chiefs to try to confuse him and show him looks defensively that he hasn't seen. 
and maybe force him to make some mistakes. But, um, yeah, two is going to be a big, big impact for them, which, I mean, that one's very, fairly obvious. But uh, for the more non-obvious guys or guys you wouldn't necessarily think about that are going to make a big impact in this matchup, my second guy, it's got to be Christian Wilkins, a defensive tackle, I think, in his second or third year. Um, tons of athleticism. I think he has an interception on the year, which is just kind of funny. Um, he's a guy that can generate pass, rush, and he's pretty solid against the run. I think he's somebody that can make an impact. And it's really the main reason he's in this group for me is it's a guy with talent, an early-round pick against this abysmal Kansas City interior offensive line. This is the weakness of the football team, in my opinion, all around. There's no other glaring, more glaring unit, in my opinion, than the interior offensive line for the Chiefs. So if a guy like Christian Wilkins can come in and wreak havoc in the middle of the pocket and push push our interior lineman into Patrick's face the whole day, I think Miami's going to be well on their way to competing to uh, pull out a victory here at home in Miami. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what what the Chiefs run out there this week. I don't know what the status on Martinez Rankin is right now. Um, I'm hoping to see Wisniewski. I don't know if we will. In my opinion, Allegretti looks bad at times, but on paper he's actually been pretty good. I think he was the sixth or seventh-rated guard last week in the league. Um, it doesn't look like that to me, snap by snap, but we watch every second of every game. I'm surprised that he's ranked that high. I don't like Andrew Wiley. I've never liked Andrew Wiley. But I don't honestly think that the team will move away from him. They like him for some reason. They think he gives them one of the best chances out of the group that we have. I'm looking forward to Mitch Schwartz returning because I think maybe there's some flexibility to kick Rimmers into guard. I don't know which side he would play. But uh, I would almost guarantee that by season's end, we see Steven Wisniewski at left guard. Even though Allegretti's played well, I just the consistency and the reliability. If Wisniewski's healthy, he's your best option. We saw it last year. He knows the blocking schemes in this team. He understands how they like to play the game. And he's a guy that last year we saw be effective in the run game towards the end of the season. We have to have that because the run game right now is non-existent. And in this league, and we saw it even in the Super Bowl, the run game created plays and took advantage of what San Francisco gave us in the Super Bowl. Damian Williams had the best game of his life. I don't think that's because of Damian Williams. I think that's because of what the five guys in front of him were able to do last February. The group we have right now, I don't think they're capable of doing that. So you got to try to shake things up a little bit, I think, because the struggles have been the glaring weakness of the team. And I think it's going to be necessary, especially against a guy like Wilkins, who's got all the tools to to make the Chiefs pay if they're not prepared adequately. The third guy, though, is going to be Miles Gaskin. And he's the starting running back at this point now for Miami. Um, the Chiefs defense, they rank 27th in the league against the run. It's not as bad as previous years where I think they were last and like 29th. But it's still a glaring weakness on this team. I mean, they rank sixth in points scored, so you take that with a grain of salt. They're doing pretty well in terms of what they're allowing point-wise, which at the end of the day is what matters. But if I'm Miami, I try to exploit the run game early and get a guy like Gaskin going because he is explosive and he can make plays. Now, I'd be a little bit more worried about this unit if Matt Breida was still healthy, but I think he I think he has a season-ending injury or went on injury reserve. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know Gaskin is their guy going into this game. They also have Patrick Laird, I believe. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what that run game can do 
but we've seen recently the Chiefs' defensive line hasn't had a ton of push or penetration in the run game. Derek Nottie's played well. Frank uh, Frank Clark is usually pretty good, excuse me, against the run. Now, the pass rush is non-existent, but he's been pretty decent against the run. Um, I think Gaskin's a guy that can make an impact, but it'll be interesting to see how much of an impact can be made. But I think Flores, if he's smart, will try to get that run game early to where the Chiefs have to kind of devote resources to stopping the run and give Tua a better opportunity to throw against uh, lighter coverages. Because Spagnola's got everything he needs to confuse Tua, and I think if they can run the ball and Gaskin can get going early and get build some confidence confidence against this defense, excuse me, I think they're going to put themselves in the best position offensively if they can get him going early. So, yeah, that's my that's my uh, players impact players of the week for Miami. But you want to go ahead and hit us with the Kansas City Chiefs, guys? Yeah, so uh, mine differ a little bit than yours uh, that we have in our notes here. Um, I have Clyde edwards Delay here as my first one. Um, you know, suited up last week, didn't play. Uh, Le'Veon Bell got all of the carries. Um, you know, Daryl Williams had a few too. And they both looked good at times, um, you know, when the line gave him a decent hole to run through. Uh, but that being said, I'm anxious to see how Clyde bounces back here. Um, I'm I'm wondering if this is a game where we try to establish a run uh, more early on than we have in the previous weeks, um, just because of the aggression of Miami's defense, and uh, you know they like to send a lot of people all at once. So maybe we hit them with a run, or the screen game might be huge this game. Uh, but we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, my next guy is Tyreek Hill. Uh, I expect him to have a blow up game as well. Uh, should have last week, which would have been the second week in a row that he's blown up. Um, unfortunately, we had a holding call and the non-catch catch touchdown um, that we didn't challenge. Um, but my third guy, um, I know you have Tyron Matthew here, um, who is questionable for the game for the first time since he's been a chief. Um, you know, you expect Juan Thornhill maybe to get in there and take some of his snaps. Uh, I think it was a hip issue that I read on the injury report, but my third impact guy is Willie Gay, who's going to get his first, uh, I think, significant amount of playing time uh, come this week against Miami. Uh, Damian Wilson is out for the game. Uh, That has been listed as official, so he will not be playing. I want to say that Willie Gay is going to get a ton of the snaps. I do not want to see Ben Neiman at all, at all. Like, he can stay in Kansas City. Um, if he hasn't already, which I, I really hope he did, but I'm excited for Willie Gay. I think he's going to make a huge impact as he has all season when he's on the field, he makes plays. So keep letting him make plays and we'll see what happens. My thing is if you, if you're without, cause Willie's been starting, I believe on the weak side, right? And then they've been starting Hitchens and Mike. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and then Willie Willie starts maybe five snaps or plays one series, and then he's out the rest of the game because right. Ben Neiman's in. What I'm thinking is usually they play Wilson at the strong side linebacker, correct? Uh, I think he starts yeah, I Sam. Say do. Hitchens starts Mike, and then they usually start Willie at the will, and then they bring Neiman in in the sub package. Is Neiman going to be the starting Mike, and are, are they going to play Hitchens at the will, or do you think Neiman will play the will and they'll play Willie at the strong side? That's what I'm curious about because 
You know, the Chiefs really, you know, they, they say they run a 4-3. They really don't have three linebackers and out yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's just one base and a majority of what they runs out of the nickel from what I've seen for the most part. So do you expect Hitchens yeah. and Willie Gay to be the starters? So I'm not expecting to see three. Yeah, see, I See, and really I think do. that's the group that gives you the best chance. I like Damian Wilson, but Hitchens is playing the best year he's played in Kansas City, statistically. Um, he's more physical than I've ever seen him, I think. Yeah. Wilson plays very physical, but he makes a lot of mental errors sometimes, I think. And it'll be interesting to see if Willie can handle – I know he can handle the snap load, but what I've wondered, the only thing that makes sense to me for Neiman playing as much as he does – is I think when Hitchens comes out of the game to, to rest when they play Neiman, I think Neiman only plays because he can call the defensive plays at the mic. I don't think they trust Willie yet intellectually to call the plays. And I think that's the only reason that Ben Neiman gets any snaps at all. But the thing about it is you need to play him in relief of Hitchens. You don't need to put him in after five or six snaps of Willie Gay starting and then leave him in. That makes no sense to me. Play Hitchens at the mic. Let him play. When he comes out, let Neiman go in for a few snaps. But that should be Neiman's only role. And for some reason, Spags hasn't been doing that. And we saw last week, Willie played five plays, six plays, I think, and he made an impact on four of them. That guy has to play every game, every single game. There's no argument against him. We've we've been beating this drum since week one, and now the fan base as a whole is starting to come around. And I'm hoping it looks like the coaching staff starting to agree but I think the run-of-the-mill total summary of the situation is I think Willie hasn't been in the playbook long enough to be able to run the plays or make the calls at Mike, and that's the main reason that Ben plays. And as the season's going along, you can see that they're putting a little bit and a little bit more on Willie, but hopefully this will be his breakout game because this is the opportunity to show this coaching staff that he can be an every-down linebacker because I don't doubt it at all. I think he's got all the tools. As long as everything's there from a mental standpoint and he knows where he needs to be within the defense, I think he's going to have a hell of a game. So looking forward to that. I think it's a big, big step in the right direction for Willie Gay stands like you and I who've been excited about him being a starter and actually getting some significant snaps Excuse me for the whole season. So I'm excited about it. I look forward to it. I'm a little bit disappointed Wilson's hurt, but I think he'll be just fine. We'll probably see him the following week against, I believe, the Saints. And hopefully Willie shows enough to where they kick him off to the weak side and he plays the whole game next week. So um, looking forward to that. But that's pretty much all I've got on the situation. But you were spot on. The reason I had Tyron as one of my uh, impact guys is just whether or not he's healthy. If he plays, he's going to play. And, I mean, he'll be a solid, solid guy. He struggled recently with some injuries and illness, I think. But – I think he can come in there if he's able to be active. I think he'll make an impact. He always does. And um, if not, then we got to look at a guy like Juan Thornhill to step up and step out of what Andy called a situational role. And I don't know. I think he's not fully healthy yet, and he's still recovering a little bit or gaining his confidence back from the ACL injury. But I think he's got all the tools to step in and be just as just as solid as a guy like Sorensen snap in and snap out. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. And then Kelsey and Hill were my other guys. And they're just – every week they're impact because if they're on, the defense needs to be scared, and it's that simple. But that's pretty much all I have for the impact players. All right. 
So that is the Miami Dolphins, and that is your Kansas City Chiefs impact players. It is now time for Marcus's make or break offensive and defensive keys to victory. Uh, Marcus, that being said, you got about five minutes here. Uh, time's yours. All righty. I'm excited for this one. Um, put a little bit more time into the research on this because, like Jordan said, they're not in our market. We don't get to put our eyes a lot on the Miami Dolphins unless it's via red zone for me. That's what I watch usually when the Chiefs aren't on. Just because we don't – I mean, we don't get the games. But – so I did a little bit of a deep dive on this offense and defense for Miami. I think the big thing for them is you have to take advantage of what Kansas City gives you. And with the Chiefs defense, they're going to give you the run game. It's that simple. Like I said earlier, they rank, I believe, 27th in the entire NFL against the run. So the Dolphins need to try to establish a run game early. I could almost guarantee you they can dominate the line of scrimmage the way that our defensive line's been playing recently and create success early in the run game. And basically what this will do, it'll force Kansas City to stack the box against the run. And like I said earlier, it's going to put the offense in the best situation for Miami because it's going to give Tua looks against less coverage guys. And when you look at a Chiefs secondary that ranks 13 in the league in passing yards allowed, they're above average. So you don't want to throw your rookie quarterback to the Sharks immediately. Get that run game going. Develop a rhythm offensively. And then you can work off your run game via play action and run bootlegs and things like that to get him easy completions, build his confidence early. And then as they're in rhythm as a whole offensively, then you can start taking your shots to guy like, guys like uh, Yuseki over the middle, Devontae Parker on the, on the uh, boundaries. I think it's going to be very important for Tua to come out and gain confidence early. And I think the best way to do that is to get the run game going, to take a little bit of pressure off his shoulders. For the defense, it's pretty simple. And this is kind of what I say every week in terms of how to attack the Chiefs. Because there's not a lot you can do. You have to contain them. You can't stop them, and it's that simple. But don't buy, die by the big play. Give the Chiefs the run game and the underneath pass game because that's going to be your safest option as a defense. you got to force Pat to be conservative and take the dump check downs and take the dump-offs that you allow him to have. So drop seven guys in coverage, blitz four, unless you're in heavy blitz packages, which we do see from time to time in the Belichick disciples, and maybe probably more than even time to time. He likes to send a lot of guys. They have people like Kyle Van Noy. And then we, us Chiefs fans, a lot of people, including myself, have followed Emmanuel Agba, who's having a very solid season there. And they're in Miami. And then I've spoke a lot about what I think of uh, Christian Wilkins. I think those two, those two guys, Agba and Wilkins, in a four-man blitz dropping seven, they're going to be able to generate pressure with just four. And that's when teams have been the most successful. You can't blitz Patrick Mahomes consistently because if you do, he destroys you. It's that simple. But this Miami defense, they're ranked 14th against against the pass and 18th against the run. So the weakness from that defensive standpoint there in Miami is their run defense. But you don't really have to worry about that that much with this Chiefs team because they don't run the ball very frequently. Their run game has become their short pass game, whether it be through screens or trick plays, little dump-offs or slants, whatever it may be. The Chiefs have really started to use the short passing game to essentially replace their uh, offense in the run game. So as far as Miami's concerned, those are your big keys. And it's simple. We understand you have good corners. You've got Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, uh, Noah Igbenogany, the rookie out of Auburn, I believe. Um, So they have talent there at the defensive back positions. Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who they have playing safety. 
But I know this unit's been very, fairly solid. They're only one behind the Chiefs' uh, pass defense. But don't put a guy on an island. Don't stick a guy like Howard or Jones one-on-one with Tyreek Hill in man coverage with no safety help. We saw how that went with Carlton Davis. It didn't go well. And in my notes, I literally wrote down, don't press a man on Tyreek Hill with no safety help ever in cap space. Or in, in capital letters, excuse me. So it's pretty simple from that standpoint. Just don't do it because nobody can do it. There's not a defensive back in the league. Jalen Ramsey's the only guy that can maybe – potentially do it for a short amount of time, but he's even been beat by Tyree Kill one-on-one in man coverage. So don't do it. If if they can accomplish that, get the run game going, build to his confidence, give him looks against lesser coverage man-to-man, basically, looking at less guys than seven or eight in the Chiefs defense. I think it's going to give two of the best opportunities to succeed offensively. And then don't give up the big play. Give the Chiefs – let the Chiefs take what you give them, essentially – and don't press Tyreek Hill. I think if they do that, they'll be in a great position. For Kansas City, though, they have to take advantage of the, uh, the defensive nature of Miami. Look for the Chiefs to attack downfield, use a short pass game to keep the defense on their toes. They really have struggled to get pushed in the run game recently, so I expect, like I said, the short passing game will kind of become the run game, whether it be through screens or quick passing game, whether it be curls or slants to the receivers. That's what I do if I'm Kansas City because they've showed very little success recently in the run game because of the issues in the interior offensive line. So I think they just really need to attack using that short pass game when they feel they need to run the ball. And like you said, I don't really feel a need to run the ball. With what we have from a talent standpoint, just throw it. There's always a play in this creative Andy Reid offense to get you, whether it be three yards or 30 yards, he's got the plays necessary to do it. So just take advantage of what you're best at. Don't let the defense drop seven or eight into coverage either. And that's what this will do. If you're running curls, you're running slants, you're running screen passes frequently, running trick plays and the little shuffle passes, they're not going to drop seven or eight guys into coverage because it's going to put them into a compromised position in the shorter parts of the field. Um, I think that's going to be very important for this Chiefs team to keep the defense honest. Uh, they need to get in front early. And that'll put pressure on Miami and Tua to throw downfield, which a young guy like this, you put the pressure on his shoulders, he's probably going to make mistakes, especially against your 13-ranked pass defense that's only sixth in points given up. They can generate turnovers on a guy that's young that is prone to making mistakes. For the Chiefs defense, focus on trying whatever it takes to get pressure. They need to knock Tua out of rhythm and never let him establish comfortability. He can't let their offensive – we can't let their offensive pass catchers Get going. They have guys that, if they get confident, can hurt you. Devontae Parker, uh, Jakeem Grant, whatever. Grant, I can't remember his first name for the life of me. I apologize about that. But Grant, number 19. And then Mikey Sicky. These guys can make plays. These guys can put up points if you give them opportunities. So for Spags, don't be over aggressive. Don't blitz seven or eight guys. It literally never works. In crunch time, drop seven, blitz four. We've had the most success against that on paper and with the eye test. Last week, that's what he did at the end of the game. I don't think Denver moves the ball well there at the end because he dropped seven in coverage, confuses Drew Locke, and we got pressure for three of the four snaps. That's what you need to do defensively of Kansas City. And then just let your front seven be aggressive. Contain Miles Gaskin's ability to hit the big play. Let guys like Derek Naughty, Mike Pinnell, even Chris Jones and Frank Clark make the impact they make in the run game 
and do what you need to do because this offense is 28th in rushing offense. They're not an elite rushing unit. So let your front seven work, do what they're capable of doing, and devote the rest of your scheme to confusing this young quarterback and getting pressure on him. And I think I think if the Chiefs can do that, they're going to win this comfortably. Um, I don't know if they can do it, though, so I'm going to be a little bit more conservative than I've been recently. I think Brian Flores and his ability to coach this team and the way they play together as a unit, I think they're going to execute. I think they're going to push the Chiefs to a little bit of an uncomfortable game. Um, I'm going to go – the Chiefs are minus seven, so I'll go – I'm going to say 30, 31 to 24 Kansas City. That was my exact prediction. So we're both going to go 31-24. Uh, we'll see where we go. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's a 14-point game until the last couple minutes. Um, it ends with them trying to do an onside kick, and then we kneel for the win. Uh, that's just my thinking. But – Guys, that does it for us here on the Nosebleed Seats on the Arrowhead Live podcast network. Uh, please go check out Shop Arrowhead Live. I know they have a sale going on right now, which Black Friday's, oh, you know, it's it's been over for a while now, but our guys at, at Shop Arrowhead Live are keeping the sale going. So please go check that out. Take advantage of that while you can. Uh, Marcus, you got anything to add before we get off here? I mean, just excited to be back. Looking forward to another, another good matchup against a competent opponent and a good head coach. And, I'm just hoping the Chiefs can pull it out and we can hit next week in stride and rhythm with some confidence going into a big game against the Saints. All right, guys. That does it for us. I'm Jordan Anderson. With me as always, Marcus Baker. We'll see you guys next week. Let's go get a win. To the Chiefs' kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!